time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly Oregon market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here. It's Monday, January 6, 2023. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals, certainly not broadcast professionals, but we're mortgage professionals. And that explains some of the content and how we go about it. But we're here for you, mortgage professionals. We're grateful to have you as our listener. Commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Candor Technology, Tom Showalter and the team there at Candor do a great job of creating a unique tech solution that optimizes workload processes so you can, op- you can turn your operations into the right size for the last time. And it's something that they're doing, but also just their whole predictability. I'm looking to get Tom on. I was talking to another client earlier today, um, Bobby Nicely of uh, Alcova. We're talking about predicting uh, the success of when you hire someone, you go out and get someone to um, join your company. What is the best tools to predict that? Well, what gave Candor its launch was Tom used to work for the military and predict which pilots would fit into an F-18 or work better as an F-18 pilot. That grad, that program brought him in NASA is selecting astronauts. So who would, which astronauts are going to be the most successful as astronauts? You think about the training that goes into this, um, it, to the training of an astronaut or an F-18 pilot or any of the military pilots. You know, I know Kittle thinks he is a pilot. He could fly at F-18, but we won't harass him about, you know, he's, he's mastered a 172, and that's about it. But anyway, he could get Tom predicted the technology going into picking the, uh, the right uh, pilots for the space program. I think he's nailed down the same thing for mortgage technology, and it comes to predicting which loans will uh, be um, – should be approved in underwriting. So you see this, all this technology, the more you get to know Tom Showalter, the more interesting this technology gets and this, what's behind this technology. Also Finastra, the first number one largest FinTech company in the world. We're going to be, uh, we're having some strategic conversations with them right now about having them come on and talk about the vision. Where do they see technology going? I right, talking to leaders. And Finaster is that. We're grateful to have them as a sponsor. Also, FormFree, another leader in the marketplace. FormFree's account check supports Fannie Mae's positive rent payment history. Check it out. The interview we did on October with Brett Chandler. Also, Total Expert. They're the only purpose-built CRM customer engagement platform to create growth and loyalty. I'm, I, I got to tell you, the thing of all the things I've been looking at, that total expert has right now is their customer intelligence. They have a customer in four in customer intelligence areas of their platform. That is probably the biggest thing. I mean, a CRM is a CRM. They do it really, really well. They do customer engagement really well, but it's their customer intelligence platform. Dan Catanelli got into it a little bit on October 21st, but we're going to be getting into it with Joe Wellu 
uh, here coming up. We're going to be recording a podcast because I really want our listeners to learn more about customer in, customer intelligence. Also, Simple Nexus, they've got a great technology. When you go out and look at what's going on in the world of connecting all, or filling in all the gaps where other technologies miss it, that's what Simple Nexus does. Also, their ability to be a front end, determining uh, the POS part of the software is up front is really strong, as well as being able to take online applications. They're, what they've developed is half the cost of the others out there, and they're doing a great job. Check out the interview we did with Ben Miller, who is the founder of Simple Nexus. And on December 30th, I encourage you to listen to that. Also, special thank you goes out to MBA, Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Cube, Mobility MMI, Modex, and the Mortgage Advisory Tools. This is a great lineup of sponsors, and we're thrilled. All leaders in their marketplace. We're thrilled to have him here. Shout-out goes to Adam DeSanctis, Les Parker, Matt Graham, who could not be with us today, but he did send in his report. David Kittle, who's our pilot, our, our F-18 pilot wannabe, as well as Alice Alvey, Alan Pollock, and Mark Helm. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. And let's get started with the MBA segment with the MBA Mortgage Minute with Adam DeSanctis. Here we go. Hi, I'm Adam DeSanctis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Here's what you need to know. Last week, FHA issued a mortgagee letter to expand COVID-19 loss mitigation options for FHA borrowers. The updated policy extends the COVID-19 recovery loss mitigation options to all borrowers, regardless of the reason for financial hardship. FHA's COVID-19 recovery options may be offered to borrowers no later than October 30th, 2024, and completed no later than February 27th, 2025. The update includes several key policy priorities that MBA has advocated for throughout the pandemic, including the ability for servicers to recover incentives for completing loss mitigation options and increasing the amount of the allowable partial claim to their statutory maximum of 30% of the unpaid principal balance, up from 25%. Expanding FHA's loss mitigation toolkit will provide additional opportunity for borrowers in today's high interest rate environment to resolve their financial hardship and remain in their homes. The mortgagee letter may be implemented immediately, but no later than April 30, 2024. Although FHA's policy is temporary, it is a step in the right direction in permanently preserving some of the critical relief tools developed during the pandemic. MBA will be conducting a deeper dive on this development and will provide additional analysis and maybe recommendations in the near future. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you, MBA, for all that you're doing for our industry. Mark Hill, that what he was Adam was just talking about there, Lance, right smack dab, dab in the middle of your sweet spot, and that's servicing. Love to get your comments on that. Well, I'm kind of surprised in a way that uh, it was extended because um, usually uh, the government works in mysterious ways and doesn't do things <laughs> as timely as it should. In this particular case, like like should those Right. It reacted timely and, and did something that I think is going to help the industry greatly. So I'm real pleased to hear it, and yes. I knew it was uh, knew it was coming. I'm glad it's there, and uh, there's uh, going to be a lot of benefit for a lot of people with the with the things that have been extended and offered to customers out there. And I'm real yes. pleased to hear the news. Yeah, it, it's good news, but it, it, it was wondering why 
wasn't extended, which really brings up, I mean, I was joking about the spy satellite, but no, I really wasn't. It just noise the crap out of me that we let that thing float all over, even over David Kittle's house. That's amazing. Why do they want to take a picture of Kittle's house? I don't know. I mean, Kittle, why? I'm harassing you today. I don't know. You, you, you must, it's opening day on Kittle season here, so we're having some fun with David Kittle. Mr. Kittle, you want to comment on all this? I'm just sitting here shaking my head right now, David. I don't know. Boy, <clears throat> I don't know what I did to, uh, to get you to good. get me today. Because we love you. <laughs> Listen, the way. next time you're in Louisville, I'm going to put you in the front seat of my Satabria <laughs> and let you fly tail drag airplanes. With or without a seatbelt, Mr. Kittle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry about the seatbelt. It's not functioning. <laughs> I would love that. Oh, I Shoulder love harnesses, David. Oh, my gosh. Shoulder harnesses. Yeah, we need all above the – anyway, <laughs> that's so funny. Anyway, yes, good good segment. Thank you, MBA, for all that you're doing there. We could go on and on about that. But anyway, MBA, sign up. If you're not a member of the MBA, get signed up. And then also uh, Mortgage Action Alliance is an app that we all in the industry need to have at our fingertips. And have it on your phone so you can opine – to the good efforts that the NBA is doing on the Hill. Grateful. Thank you, Adam, for taking time to do that. Let's get over to Les Parker with the TM Spotlight. Several of you talk, commenting, is your voice okay licking? Yeah, no, it is. I've got something going on in the vocal cords today. So, And, yeah, of course, I've had something going on in the brain. Someone just texted me. said, yeah, you had something going on in the brain for a while. So, yeah, yeah I love you, listeners. I love you. You're harassing me so much. Anyway, let's get over to Les Parker with the TM Spotlight and a macro view of the markets. Les and his music parody Prepared by Gary Canterbone is here with us now. Let's find what he's got. TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. When this began, Fed had nothing to say, and it got lost in the nothingness inside QE. Beyond QE, have the markets figured out the terminal rates of the global central banks? Is the Fed close? Inflation's rapid deceleration make bond investors wonder who slips into recession. Which central banks cut rates by the end of the year? Is the persistence of sideways action a sign that stocks want to heal? Bonds want to feel like the Fed's close to something real? Bonds want to find something they've wanted all along. Somewhere to belong. These views are my own. Discover the signs to belong at tmspotlight.com. Yeah, okay. That is Les Parker. I mean, that is so not Les Parker. That's a great report. And the analysis is Les Parker, but the music is so not Les Parker. It is funny. We're going to get into talking about the markets in just a minute. But before we do, I want to get play the segment that um, Matt Graham just sent in about what we got on the calendar. We're going to get in on a roundtable and all that's going on in the markets. Les Parker, you just never cease to amaze me on all of that good stuff. Sign up for Les Parker's TM Spotlight newsletter by going to the tmspotlight.com and put in the word power, where it asks for a code for power seller, and you get the paid version of the newsletter for free. So Matt Graham could not be with us, and he's actually traveling today, but he graciously sent in a report, and we're going to get into talking about all this good stuff in just a minute. Matt Graham, what you got? This is Matt Graham with the MBS Live Market Update. Last week was a fairly wild ride for the bond market. 
due to economic data. We were definitely looking forward to seeing how that data would come in throughout the week, and it did not disappoint. Things kicked off on Wednesday with uh, ISM manufacturing, job openings, and labor turnover survey, and then, of course, the Fed rate decision in the afternoon. All of those combined uh, ended up sending yields to their lowest levels in quite some time with a follow-through to even lower levels on Thursday morning. The Fed hiked rates as expected, and because it was expected, that had no upward momentum implications for rates. It was actually Fed Chair Powell's press conference that helped enable the rally. People were expecting Powell to be very hawkish because, in general, uh, they think, and correctly so in my opinion, that the Fed cannot be seen being anything other than tough on inflation, and the, the Fed is sensitive or perhaps even concerned that any optimism about a drop in rates could fuel uh, some sort of exuberance that helps drive inflation higher and sort of shortchanges their policy goals. Powell definitely reminded markets, as he has many times in the past few months, that they will need to continue to be tough on inflation, but he acknowledged the progress in as conciliatory of a way uh, as he has any time since the inflation spike began. So uh, that really hit home with traders who were expecting him to be more hawkish, more unfriendly toward rates, and uh, kicked off a big rally. Then on Friday, things reversed in a major way after the jobs report absolutely destroyed expectations, coming in so high that right out of the gate, within seconds of the data hitting the screens, people were crying foul and saying that it must be some sort of conspiracy, there must be some crazy thing going on with this number, uh, because it was just too far above forecast for people to really make sense of it. 517,000 jobs created versus forecast that called for only 185,000. That was the biggest beat or miss versus uh, a median forecast since September 2021. So definitely uh, a big event, and it had major negative implications for bonds. Then at 10 a.m., ISM non-manufacturing also crushed its forecast. Uh, in the bigger picture, that was more of a return to the mean uh, getting back in line with the previous trend after the previous month was pretty crummy, but it didn't help the case for bonds, and yields suddenly found themselves back at the top of their recent trading range. Now this morning, they're pushing uh, a, a different top. I guess there are two tops. There's 3.56 in 10-year yields, and then there's 3.62. Sort of splitting hairs in the big picture, but on Friday, we were challenging 3.56, and now this morning, 3.62 on a raft of stronger economic data in Europe, a little bit more corporate bond issuance than expected, and then general anxiety ahead of other Treasury issuance this week, and then a question and answer session with Fed Chair Powell at the Economic Club of Washington tomorrow morning. Some traders feel that Powell is going to use that venue to uh, deliver the hawkishness that people felt was perhaps missing from last Wednesday in light of the strong jobs report and the strong ISM data that came out after Powell could have possibly known about them. 
So we'll see what happens tomorrow. But as for right now, we're at the top of the range. There's not a ton of significant uh, economic data this week. In fact, essentially no significant economic data this week. Just a series of bond auctions, Fed Chair Powell tomorrow, and uh, we suddenly find ourselves defending the top end of a rate range uh, as opposed to hoping to break through the lower end just a few business days ago. That's all for now. Back to you, Dave. Good job. Appreciate that, Matt. Appreciate you taking the time to submit that in. Now, there's just it was a wild ride last weekend and or last week, and let's get some commentary. But I also want to invite to the microphone now Bill Corbett, who is uh, joined us. We're going to be talking about several things in in the next few minutes. But he is real close friends with Les Parker. I was going to tease and say one of the few close friends Les Parker has, but Les has lots of good friends and admirers. But anyway, we're going to get some of his thoughts as well as Mark. And Mr. Kittle, and of course, Alan Pollock's here with us, and we'll get his thoughts. By the way, we've got listeners dialed in from coast to coast, north to south, all around the country. Thank you, listeners. Appreciate you so much for being here. So let's start off with some market commentary. Mark, let's get off as my co-host. Thoughts on um, last week's market and uh, Les's report. Well, thank you, Alan say that uh, reports are somewhat bullish right now, in my opinion. Uh, I don't expect major changes to happen, and we're going to continue to see these minor variations and ebbs and tides of the market that are going to be presented to us on a weekly basis. And and it's most importantly, we uh, monitor the trends to make sure we do the things necessary if the market goes bad, like uh, managing our staff appropriate, making cuts, expenses where necessary, et cetera. And on the counterpart of that, Looking forward to when things are starting to change, when you've got to adjust for the volumes you will get. As we know, that's the hardest thing in mortgage banking to do is manage the ebbs and tides that happen in our industry. And the successful companies are really, really important. I read an article this weekend that was put out by a consulting group, which most of us get their newsletter, and they pointed out to us that the uh, in the article that the most profitable mortgage companies in originations or when all the origination bodies, the main bodies like the branches, et cetera, report directly to the president. And there's not layers of management between them and the president. An interesting concept. And they notated a number of companies that they know that was the case of. And I thought that was very interesting because it makes the president's job immensely uh, cumbersome. But at the same time, it allows the person who makes the key decisions to be on spot and see what's happening in the industry and make appropriate changes as necessary. So I'm interested to have a conversation with the uh, author of that article and see uh, if I can get out of him a few of the companies he's talking about so I can have a better understanding of how they structure their environment to uh, handle their mortgage originations in that way with that reporting structure. Yeah, I I want to... I get into that when we have the discussion with Mr. Kittle about some of the program about the production, but I'm, I want to stay focused at, on this part of the discussion right now on the rates, on what's going on with the rates. I agree that there's um, that was a bullish uh, report overall uh, with the volatility that's in the market. We'll have to see what's happening. That there's a lot of people crying foul on that on the jobs number. Uh, they're just it just it's so far out left field. I mean, I'm not one who wants to go pursue every conspiracy theory out there, but boy, something when you see something that far out, which is a good opportunity to go over to Mr. Kittle. Mr. Kittle, what do you think? David, poor David, before Mr. Kittle starts, I want to make one comment about that. Yeah. He'll probably echo in the same thing. I am very suspect 
about the jobs reporting. I mean, I continue to be involved doing things and seeing what's happening in the environment around me, and I find it really hard to believe that those numbers are on track. And I don't know what's wrong with them, but something's wrong with them. I'm just going to make that statement and shut my mouth. <laughs> okay, Kittle, jump in. Well, just a couple of comments before I get to that. <clears throat> I talked to um, <clears throat> excuse me, a good friend of mine this weekend, 32 states, retail lender, and last week their applications were up 17%. Yeah. I get reports from another lender out of Rhode Island whose board I sit on. They were up 15%. They're a direct consumer lender. So mm-hmm. there was some good news out there. And to Mark's point when he was talking about it, you know, we do have these ebbs and flows, these positive weeks, and then it comes back a little bit. But the, the 25 basis points from the Fed, that was baked in. Um, you know, yields improved, and uh, so it was a good week last week. And so, that you know, it's we're into February. We're out of January and um, coming towards spring. And um, I think maybe we're going to see just a, some improvement in the market. I'm hopeful of that. We always do. Uh, we as always do as, right around, yeah, about this time of the year. Start starting things yeah. start picking up. Yeah, so it's not all bad news. Just, mm. you know, a comment on the jobs report. Um just to use a couple of initials, my BS meter goes off with that. And it's almost like uh, the administration came out this morning to the balloon comment and said, well, you know, the Trump administration had uh, three unknown balloons uh, come across. And I'm going, well, if it was unknown, how did you discover it? Yeah. Yeah. It's anonymous thing that comes I, I saw out. one report it was an anonymous uh, a, a, a official anonymous report. I go on that's an oxymoron. I mean that was and, just... and, and then one you know the last thing is the pres- the president last Friday in a direct question denied that he has any responsibility for inflation. That inflation was already there when he took office. Well it was at you know two percent. Hello? It's just like so to the jobs number, everything that comes out right now uh, is questionable. Yeah, um, that's yep. all. That, that's my comment on it. So. Yep, good comment, uh, Alan. Any thoughts you want to add to this discussion right now on the, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> don't believe everything you read, right? Uh, the numbers are definitely strange. I was driving in the car when I heard them last week, and I. I actually thought I misheard it. I had to Google it because it didn't make any sense. Um, but look, if you, my, my only comment, David, is if you figured out how to breathe underwater, right, then, then you could go a little deeper. You can come closer to the surface and just stay where you're at for right now. Sustain yourself. Keep breathing. Enjoy your time. And then when it's time to come up for air, then that's when you come up. But I, I think it's too early for us to be too concerned about too many of the details. We're already operating in that mode. You know, we've had time to fine-tune our process, and, and now it's sustainability, and there's still business to be had, and I think that's the focus. Um, but, yeah, the numbers looked weird. Yeah, numbers look weird, and I don't – by the way, everyone, we don't turn this program into a political commentary, but when you get numbers like this, it's almost hard not to go somewhere in there. That's the closest we're going to go to politics in a long time, and, that, and then not shooting down a balloon before I met the closest we're going to go. It's just one of those things that just annoyed the crap out of me over the weekend. Uh, we've got Bill Corbett joining us. One of the first times he's was, um, here with us regularly. Uh, but I saw, was that you, Mr. Kittle? You were jumping in on something. So David, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, okay. David's bill. If I can 
if yes. I can add one thing on the jobs on the jobs report. Uh, so I saw two things over the weekend. One, walk through pretty clearly the seasonal adjustments that are annual adjustments that are done every year in January, right. and that that explained a lot of it. And then the second one was the reason. I, I'm sorry, I don't have the exact number, but a incredible number of part-time jobs that mm-hmm. the speculation is these are folks going out and getting a second or third job, right? Cause they have to feed their family. And that's not the equivalent of X amount of full-time jobs being created. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I heard on the, I heard on the TV this past week that one of the largest increases in jobs was in the food services industry. You could have fooled me. Yeah. <laughs> My wife didn't cook. We go out all the time, and I continue to wait in lines. Yeah, waiting in line for a long, long time. Yeah. 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 Well, we could get into discussing this. I think where we are in is the, the reasons you need to have a newsletter like Les Parker's, or if you need to have a service that's monitoring what's going on, you've got to be signed up with Les's newsletter, and you need to be signed up for – the MBS quote line, uh, MBS, excuse me, mbslive.net. Oops, MBS quote line. Sorry about that. That's a blast from the past. Um, but mbslive.net, Matt does a great job with his system of sharing with you exactly what's happening in real time. Uh, excellent sign up. You can put, go into mbslive.net, sign up for the website, and put in LOL at the sign up code, and you'll get extended period, a trial period for, uh, without a need of a credit card. So very important. Very good. We want to move on. Um, we want to talk about something, and the reason we invited Bill Corbett to join us this week is Jeff Bill is one of our regular consultants that works with us here at TMS, and we have a consultant's call every Friday. And one of the things that Bill brought up that was really interesting was a, a fairly recent, it was December, an announcement by Fannie Mae about cancellations, canceling those that are um, approved with Fannie Mae. And so with that, Bill, would you set it up for us? What is it that Fannie Mae communicated? You brought it to our attention, all the consultants. I missed that, and we really want to get into it because I think this is something – well, we're going to get into the reactions from everyone in just a minute, but set it up for us, Bill. What, what was communicated and when was that? So thanks, Dave. So back in the middle of December, December 14th to be exact, Fannie Mae in, in literally in the middle of a selling guide announcement put a section in that is now requiring all sellers to sell 12 loans a year, servicers to be servicing one loan a year. And and Fannie Mae has a large group of what are called inactive seller servicers, where they're paying a fee every year to maintain their approval, but not actively using it. And they will all be terminated as of December 31st of this year. And to your point, Dave, I think this has flown completely under everybody's radar. And yet, mm-hmm. you know, while while there are a lot of folks that will maintain a, a Fannie, Freddie, or a Ginny approval, right, be, because they like the certificate on the wall, you know, in this case, especially, you know, we're seeing a lot of it with community banks, credit unions, where that's their only outlet and they use it when they choose to and it's going to get taken away. And they'll lose to you, right? There's the, the unknown of how are they going to communicate that to regulators and navigate through some of the, you know, the reputational side. 
Um, so we think this is, for a lot of folks, can be a pretty big deal, number one. And number yeah. two, basically a lender is going to have to go through the financial review and, and what I'm learning is an approval light process where they're not going to go through the same level that a new client would, but it's fairly close to it in terms of Fannie has to review and approve policies and procedures, QC plan, QC results. So it's not something that folks can just turn back on, you know, come October when they realize it, number one. And number two, we think a lot of folks have kind of lost the muscle memory on how to even sell to the to Fannie. Mm-hmm. So that's going to take, as we've seen with some of the, the consulting side, getting folks back into the selling mode takes quite a while. So I just, the, the point in our conversation the other day is this seems to be way under the radar screen. And yeah. you know, there's, from what we're hearing, a fair number of lenders, specifically credit unions and community banks that are impacted and probably aren't even paying attention or really aware of it. Yeah, I, it is. I went after our call on Friday. I made several calls out to clients who are Fannie Mae seller server approved. And I said, are you aware of this? And they go, no. Where did you hear this? And it, so it, so it, when it comes out like it did without a lot of um, drum roll, um, it's easy for these things to, to get missed. But this is such a significant one. Um, and so when you're looking, that, there's two types of approvals. There's the Fannie Mae seller only, and then there's the seller servicer approval. So I'm assuming for those that have the seller only, this is just you need to sell them. The servicing requirement is not going to be applicable. And for those that have the seller servicer approval, both of those approvals allows them to service the Fannie Mae loans, that they're going to have to be servicing at least, I can't believe they're saying servicing one loan, but they have to be servicing some number of loans. And is that correct, that the seller only only has to be selling? Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Okay, so there's no changes. Yeah, obviously, they're not requiring seller-only people to go get seller servicer None. approved. It, okay, good, good, good. I, I thought I, I, it's what I understood from our conversation on Friday about that, but it was some someone asked me about that, and I said I'll I'll ask Bill when we're on the on the call to, on Monday on the podcast. So good, 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 good. Okay, Mark, and, your reaction. Go ahead, Bill. Go ahead. Now, and one other you know key part of it is if a seller is terminated they lose access to all of Fannie Mae's technology tools, DU, UCDP, UCD. So if you have a portfolio lender that is running everything through Fannie with the idea that that ensures their future saleability, all those capabilities would go away. Yeah. And then Kathy Thomas, one of our other consultants that works with us, saying that they're going to be um, making it possible to do meet those through DO, um, so desktop originator versus desktop underwriter DU. So, but there's some significant repercussions from this. So, listeners, make sure corporate hears this. If you're out there in the rank and file of listing and not um, not in, at the corporate working with this, having this area of responsibility for yourself, make sure this is uh, shared with in your corporate office. For those of you in corporate, you need some ideas on how to strategize. What do we do? And we've got a crew of consultants, Bill Corbett being one of them, Kathy Thomas being one, Mark Helm being one, David Kittle being one, Alan Pollock being one. Um, we are here to help you work through what, sh- how should you respond to this? But you just have got to be thinking about it. So, Bill, thank you so much for bringing it to our attention. 
And then, of course, you being good friends with Les Parker, and uh, we both are for many, many years. And uh, yes, I love giving Les a bad time. He listens in the podcast every Monday, so he knows we're having fun with him. He has many, many respect, friends, and he is respected in high places. But any more commentary to the markets, just generally speaking, Bill? I think you've been hitting on all of the main points, right? There's a couple of folks that I work with have also seen an uptick in volume. So there's, you know, I, I think there's business to be done, and it's just it's not easy, but there's there's volume and, and folks out there, and they, you can't stay curled up in your shell and wait till the next recovery. You have to go make your own success. Yep. Without a question. I want to get into the production, so Bill, stay on the phone. We're going to get more into production in just a minute, but I want to get out Alice Alvey. Normally, we would have Alice Alvey live here, but she got pulled into a meeting at the last minute. She did take the time to record something for us, and so let's get over to Alice Alvey. What you have for us, Alice? Thanks, Dave, and hello, everyone. I just wanted to catch up with you, even though I couldn't be there in person, on two important things. First of all, you are probably reading in the news wires, and I'm sure MBA reported on the district court ruling of, in Chicago, ruling in the CFPB versus Townsend Financial, that the Equal Credit Opportunity Act does not extend to prospective applicants under a plain language reading of the statute. So what that means is in this plain language interpretation where the statute references application, that we must treat borrowers in the, fairly in that application process. And the issue with this particular case is very much at the center of statements that were made by Barry Sterner in Townsend's weekly radio infomercial. Uh, so I think the when you look at that context of what is being said in an infomercial versus activity that's actually being done by loan originators, processors, and or underwriters, those are two very different things, in my opinion, uh, as far as how lenders should look at this decision. So part A of what I want to reference is don't change what you're doing as a result of this court case. It is not a wide open uh, free-for-all now that, oh, this is great, CFPV ruled, we don't have to worry about what happens before an actual application and I have six pieces of information. That is not the case, folks. Uh, we still absolutely need to make sure that in those pre-qualification discussions, we are treating borrowers fairly, uh, that we are very mindful that UDAP is still requiring us to be fair and not treat borrowers differently or be deceptive during that application process. So that UDAP, for those of you who may not know, is the Unfair, Deceptive, and Abusive Acts and Practices Act. So we've, we have plenty of regulation out there, and ECOA still also, that say treating customers equally during that interaction that we have with them is important and still must be fair and consistent. Whereas this particular case, there seems to be a reach out into things that the company was saying and those to out into the public forum and not necessarily directed at individual applicants. 
and that's why it was uh, viewed by the courts as being an overreach. So just want to make sure that people don't do read beyond the headlines and don't just take the headline as, hey, I get to change my policies or I get to operate differently. Uh, so loan officers, heads up, all the same rules still apply. The case doesn't really change anything for us day to day on making sure we're treating customers fairly. The second thing I just want to give everyone a heads up on is the fact that Fannie and Freddie have their new cash out refinance 12-month seasoning requirement going into effect right around the corner. So for Freddie Mac, this is for loans delivered on March 7th, which means really your applications coming in about now need to be very mindful that you are meeting this 12-month seasoning rule. You do not want to get burned by hanging on to one of these loans because there won't be a place to sell it, at least not for a reasonable interest rate. Uh, So Fannie Mae's goes into effect April 1st. You get a little bit of a window working with Fannie, uh, but nonetheless, loan officers, heads up. Make sure you're talking with the few cash-out refis that are still out there, uh, that you're talking with those customers and making sure that they're closing on time if they're trying to do a quick turn. Uh, We're still going to follow up on things like the delayed financing rules. I'll get back with you on that to make sure the agencies are still comfortable with allowing that delayed financing cash-out refinance, but they didn't call that out specifically in the memos, Uh, so I don't want to say here in front of a lot of people that that's okay. Uh, So I just wanted to give everyone a heads up that we'll follow up with some more on the frequently asked questions that are coming out of this new change. That's my report today, Dave. Back to you. Have a great day. Thank you, Alice. Appreciate it so much. And uh, thanks for taking the time to record that. Very interesting um, what's going on in Fannie and Freddie. I'm anticipating a lot of changes that we're going to be seeing, a lot of changes throughout the year as it relates to these um, at, to the GSEs. And, of course, J.D. May. Now, J.D. May, uh, I'm, I'm really interested going back into this discussion about the uh, you could lose your Fannie Mae approval. What is the trickle-down effect of that? If you don't have Fannie Mae, I believe you're – Approval with Jenny May is at risk as well, Mark. Is that correct? Yeah, let me uh, let me opine to everything that's been said in the last two presentations. Um, I'm going to go on record as saying I think we're in for a cleansing that is going to happen mm-hmm. in our industry, and that cleansing is going to be, I think, a lot of people, a lot of people out there that have had FHA, uh, excuse me, not FHA, but Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae approval and Ginnie Mae approval uh, quite possibly could lose those approvals in the future. And a lot of people that think they ought to qualify for getting them are not going to get them. We've seen a tightening in the application process, uh, updates of guides, um, making it harder and harder. The uh, process to get approval is elongated now, where in most cases it's taken two to four months to get approval, where sometimes it used to be 30 to 45 days. Uh, We see tightening of the online application when you approve, uh, ask for approval. I'm just seeing all the things that are negative that's out there today. And it's real clear that, uh, especially with Ginnie Mae, when you've got a really reduced staff, um, they, they don't really want to be managing people that have a dozen loans. And people sign up and say in their application package, I'm going to deliver you X number of loans, then so they don't deliver. And I don't think Ginnie Mae is going to continue to tolerate that. And I don't think Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac either. The days of having those approvals to be on your corporate resume to increase your value of your company are soon 
going to be very, very limited, and people better pay attention to it. If they, the investor relationships they want to maintain them too, they better start delivering loans to it. And it makes it kind of hard in the market we are today to step up to that plate and do that. But I think they better pay attention to it, or they might wake up one day and find out they don't have one of those key approvals, and then they're going to have to sell loans to people that do have the approvals and lose that margin, which is going to affect the overall profitability of their own company. Yeah. Um Let's get around the horn on that. Bill Corbett, thoughts on Mark's commentary? Oh, no surprise. I completely agree. I think there's a, there's definitely a weeding out. They want to spend their time and effort on folks that are going to actually do and, business. Yeah. And, and David Kittle, that's not unreasonable. I mean, you said look at it. It's, it's probably in many ways kind of overdue. Well, I totally agree, David. You know, the, the side of that is, first of all, if this was buried in a guide or an announcement, shame on Fannie Mae for not putting it out there and making it top of the list. First of all, that's communication. That's transparency. But to the other side, what we're all agreeing on here is <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with purging people out that don't use it. Now, that's this right. is not a fair comparison at all, but at the Mortgage Collaborative at TMC – if you don't come to our conferences and don't use our vendors, our preferred partners, we purge you from the list. There's yeah. a cost to every company for maintaining somebody on a roster that doesn't participate. So that is a management decision, and personally, I applaud it. It's just how they're going about it. So how, how much of a layup is it if you're just a seller? Just send them 12 loans a year. Okay. Yeah. But you can do that. Oh, yep. servicer, different story. But I don't see anything wrong with it. Yeah. And I think it's – you raised a really good point. It's how it's being rolled out. They're saying, well, it's in our guide. Come on, it's your responsibility to read it. I mean, when something like this is out there, I think it's like it's highlighting it. Bring it to your tents. Give us a drum roll or something to give us a little extra notification. So kudos to you, Bill Corbett, for catching that and bringing it to our attention on Friday. And then, of course, that's rolling forward to our podcast today. Very good stuff. Excellent. Appreciate it. Hey, David, one additional thing. It's not as easy as reading the guide. Uh, a lot of the application things you do, it's on the online application. It's not in the guide. But the guide is misleading. And, and the notices that we used to get in the industry, uh, clear and concise, telling us what was changing in investors are fewer and far between right now. And one of the best examples I can use of that is a, a guide, a recent guide change uh, put in by Jenny May, where there was I, I saw and I asked you about it, and you didn't receive yeah. it either. No, nope. no notification to any of us that a guide change had happened, and it happened the day before we submitted the application, and it didn't get updated on the system to after we submitted the application. So it makes us look kind of like we're falling apart when we didn't catch something. But I don't have a crystal ball. How could I catch it? Yeah. I think that's really good. It's really important. Something's happening with the communications uh, out of the agencies all across the board. Fannie, Freddie, and Jenny May. Jenny May is particularly egregious in, in, in their lack of communicating on that. And, and then that cavalier attitude. Well, we just we we just made that change. I'm sorry. I mean, it just. I mean, it's just. It's really frustrating. We could get on and on about that, but it's kind of like the spy balloon. There's not a lot I could do about it. And it, it is what it is coming out of. Mr. Kettle, I think we need to have a conversation with the Mortgage Bankers Association because I think their reporting of what's happening in our industry is a far cry from what it used to be a, from what it used to be a decade ago. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, their, their core mission is an advocacy group. And, um, right. I mean, I can actually point. I mean, with, again, this is probably the most political we'll ever have been, but I think there's a little general fear of do, do we dare get political? What are the consequences of that? There's things have changed, become much more visceral if you disagree with uh, certain administrations and where things are at. Uh, disagreement <clears throat> is everything. It's, it's how, what, what are the consequences, what people do with it? So we'll leave that one alone. Well, if, Let's if, get if disagreement is respectful, it's okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's okay to challenge people. We should. I mean, that's how we all get better. It's, how we all get better. That's and, right. Uh, it's exactly one of the things right. that, yeah. But it's when, when it gets to the point where there's um, negative consequences, it starts silencing voices, and that's not good. And that's what it seems like we got some of that going on. Let's get over to Alan Pollock with a tech update. Alan, good to have you on the podcast each and every week. What you got for us today, my friend? All right. Well, that was a fun conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, get us on that topic. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep today's uh, commentary short, but I've, I've got um, a couple quick little things. First is a shower thought, right? And after the last conversation, yeah. I think it's time for a good shower thought. So when you flip a coin and it lands <laughs> on heads, it actually lands on tails. It actually lands on tails. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing up the obvious, that's off the, off the yeah. there you go, another one of Alan Pollock's <laughs> contributions to the podcast. So, all right, there you go. Uh, and, you know, just with the, the, you know, we talk about where, where all these jobs go, right? Or did they really get rehired? Nobody knows, but um, there is a massive amount of folks called influencers that have been all over social media in the last, last year, right, and, and they're talking about they're going to stores and reselling things or whatever their plans are. They're doing all these different online marketing um, projects, and they're making money from home. Mm-hmm. Well, there's this new trend that's actually called the de-influencers. It's called Q the de-influencers, and TikTok videos, this is brand new with the hashtag de-influencing, now, over this very short period of time, which these are the influencers that are telling people to buy certain products or kind of driving opinion, this de-influencing hashtag overnight has 88 million views, and they're expecting it to explode. So I don't – it'd be very interesting in this world we live in today where everything's driven by socialism. Not That's the wrong word. Sorry. <laughs> Social influencing oh, and yes. other people's opinions. I'd be very interesting – to see what, what actually occurs and if that takes off. But um, influencers are a big thing. And that, by the way, that falls into the mortgage industry as well. You can see plenty of people that aren't selling a specific mortgage product but talking about how to go about getting a mortgage or the type of mortgage or how to pay your house down sooner, those types of things. And those influencers are driving leads. So you definitely want to look at that. There are more – sorry, David, what were you going to say there? No, no. It, 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 it's, it's, it, the, the whole thought of what's yeah. going on with influencing is there's another shift happening there as well. Got a lot of shifts going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and getting back to what we talked about last week about chat GPT. Yeah. Um, the world of – that's right. The world of artificial intelligence is really continuing to heat up. So a Colombian judge used chat GPT to make a court ruling. These are just little tidbits about it. 
Uh, Google invested $300 million in an AI company called Anthropic and unveiled screenshots of Microsoft's Bing search engine, which is going to be driven by ChatGPT, which came out on Friday. So the, the, there's, there's images now that can be automatically updated with ChatGPT. There's videos that can be created. There's, this thing is getting, it's going crazy and it's going viral. Um, so if you see this really nice written article on, on LinkedIn or online, don't second guess because it, or if you want to second guess, it's very possible that ChatGPT wrote it. So take a look at that. We talked about that last week. Yeah, that's really uh, interesting. And then, you know, yeah, the big thing that I really wanted to bring up this week, David, we talked about it once before, but it's really an important topic. Um, folks are trying to, you know, where, where they can cut certain costs or they, they'll do layoffs in order to hire the right people, right? They just they, they were underserved in certain areas and don't have the right folks. Now, if you're a member of the Mortgage Collaborative, you meet a lot of people that can help you work with all those partners that David was talking about. And there are some really good folks at TMC, and some of those folks integrate together, and they can provide you a combined vendor experience. But I'm talking about something a little bit different than that, which is that you say, hey, you know what, I'm, I've got – you know, Bob, and he's been coding APIs for 10 years, and I want him to do the integration between my two vendors. Well, the problem with Bob is that he's probably or likely using something like Zapier or Workatu, which are these online services that can take data out of your LOS and just move it to Salesforce or take something from any other system and move it to another system. And the thing that's really troubling or really difficult with these is that it's taking PII data right, and putting it into a server, a service, and a database that's hosted in the cloud that is not segmented or does not necessarily practice data security rules that you would prefer that they did, such as the mortgage vendors, and you're at risk not only of that data but also of service interruptions being part of some big, giant cloud system. So you'll want to double-think that. So for Bob that can do these things, you want to make sure Bob is working directly from vendor to vendor and make sure that he's not working directly online with, with these cloud services that allows you to pull data from your systems, kind of massage and translate that data and move it to another system. And, David, that's, is, is, even though it's a small report, that's probably such an important message um, for the folks listening to make sure that their teams, they've got, you know, maybe just a little checkup to make sure they understand where their data is going and, and what it's doing for them. Good points. Excellent. That chat GPT um, GPT uh, was really caught some attention uh, last week. I had a lot of commentary come back to me. They've started using it. Uh, several people said that uh, wrote me and said that they are now at the maximum number of users are going to let in, and they're now limiting who can come in and become a part of it because they've had a, such an overwhelming response. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, they're filled up supposedly, but um, I've been able. To, I was able to get in and encourage you to check this out. What, where that census is going, Alan, is where this could go. Is um, really the first significant development that could change the way our business is done, whether it becoming underwriting, whether it comes to the, the, the loan decisioning. Where can we go with this? And then I look at the consequences of this, because when we have used technology, artificial intelligence, and making some loan decisions, it's tripped over red line issues. And it's just because the technology did not take into consideration some of the, the discriminatory factors that can come into 
with AI. So you talked about this earlier. So, I mean, this is going to take us down some interesting journeys, but when you start working with consumers, you know, what we all know this about millennials and Gen Zers. They all want to go online and learn as much as they can before coming on and being with us in a um, talking to us on over the phone or meeting with us in person on the loan application. They want to do their own research. How much further can loan research go now with a chat GPT and uh, getting yourself qualified, getting questions answered? I, I think we need to be staying up on this. This is an important development. Yeah. It's funny, David, you can read online. People are saying it's robotic-like. Some people are saying, like you said, the generation that's interacting with it may not care. Uh, it's nope. going to continue to get better, but it has reasoning and logic built in. Uh, just a yep. quick example. The, uh, on a real estate, I'm reading this from online, on a real estate-specific request, ChatGPT was able to craft a video script for an apartment listing featuring a couple. It was also able to write a film-style story centered around a detective and to shorten the length in video scripts to fill in the desired duration of the video. And then continued on, not reading the whole thing from there. So depending on what your use is and what you're doing with it, think about your marketing department and how you could possibly enhance or come up with better ideas or formulate ideas faster that then you just provide that humanistic massage to. Um, there, there's a lot of opportunity. I don't know, David, if, if our industry is ready for the true chat bot that, that does everything. There's, there's something about a loan officer and the consultative approach that I don't think a robot can handle. We'll see. Well, I'm pretty impressed with chat GBT. I could, this is one that's uh, taken me further into this. I, I've asked a lot of questions. Some of the responses I'm getting, I mean, all the responses I'm getting are really then you go and do the research on it, going it's spot on. It's literally to the point where Google, as I said earlier, is considering redoing their business model based on this. So there's a lot of changes. And I think you may have been the one reported. I just repeating it, but um, fascinating stuff all the way around. Well, we are out of time. Can you imagine that? Bill Corbett, thank you so much for joining, dialing in, enjoying us, being here with us. Love to have you come back and be uh, providing us these kind of insights. It's so good to have you here. And uh, appreciate that, Fred. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Alan, good report. Mark, great commentary. Mr. Kittle, thank you so much. Sorry for a little harassment there earlier in the podcast, but it's only because we love you. And uh, we love you. All right. I'm going to get you in the airplane seat, Licking, and I'm going to do some aerobatics (laughs) with you, and then you're really going to. I love it. I absolutely would love that very much. And again, for those of us, we try not to get political on this podcast. There's some of us, I got a couple of comments about, had to actually someone hang up on us. Um, But the reality is, is, you know, it's hard. I think when we are frustrated, I think we need to be speaking out a bit more about things, and it, it should be, we should be able to do so without consequences. It's how we do it. We respect everyone's opinion, where everyone's coming from, but it, it, there is frustrations out there, and we need to be able to talk about it. And uh, we're, we're going to do our best to keep this podcast not, un, non-political, but there are times like when you get some of the information we've gotten recently, you've seen some of the recent events, it's hard not to go there at least a little bit. So our commitment, again, is bring you timely information about the audio, what's going on in the markets related to the mortgage industry and stay in that little swim lane. Apologize for those of you who may have just uh, went over the edge a little bit or over, over a boundary, but we appreciate you being a listener, being here with us. Grateful. Again, we should always say that the views that are expressed on this podcast are not necessarily the views of our sponsors, and we should not be holding them accountable for that. Appreciate you all very much. Have a great rest of your week. I uh, can't think of there's any, Mark, is there anything I have messed up and left off this week? No, no, sir. I think you got it covered. All right. Very good. 
Folks, special thank you to our sponsors, uh, Candor Technologies, Finastra, Form Free, Total Experts, Simple Nexus, Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as the Lenders One, Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, Mobility MMI, Modex, and Mortgage Advisory Tools. So great to, to have you as our listeners. Be sure to come back here next week. By the way, check out the podcast that we have uh, that we're releasing on um, February. Uh, let's see here. What is that one we're releasing? I'm, oh, it's on February 8th. We'll be releasing that on Wednesday. Lee Gillespie came on of Innovation Refunds, and it's talking about a refund that you can get. Qualified provides your 500 uh, employees or less. Listen to that interview. It's a very, very good one. And um, does your need, does your business qualify? Listen to it. It's ERC um, uh, credits. So, uh, Lee, on, my, on Wednesday, February 8th, listen to that. Special thank you again out to our sponsors. Adam, thank you. Les Parker, thank you. You and your many friends are as listeners. Matt Graham, thank you for the recording. David Kittle, I appreciate you, brother. You're such a dear, dear, dear friend. Alice Alvey, we thank you for your recording. We thank you also, Al Pollock and Markel, for being here. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.